morning, everyone. Oh, my. Come on now. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Hey, man, you get set there. I got to walk all the way up here. Amen. Y'all act like you're out of breath. Good to see all of you today. Hope you had a good good day yesterday evening and a good night last night. Got some rest and uh, eager to go on hump day, Wednesday. Two more days for this week of school and uh, you'll be done. It's been a great honor for me to come this week and to just be with you, whether I got to preach or not, just to be here and uh, be with your pastor, fellowship with him and Brother Morris and, and others as well. We're so thankful for the good singing this week. We've heard from all of you and from special groups and certainly appreciate that song and we're certainly grateful for the goodness of the Lord. And you all look really, really fine today. You look nice and sharp and we like that. And we're certainly grateful for all that God is doing uh, in your heart and in your life. There's so much work yet to be done. And we know God is, God is always working on us, uh, even in our old days. God is still working on us. We certainly thank the Lord for that. Well, I want to invite you to turn in your Bible this morning to the book of Third John. Third John. We've been in the Old Testament all week. We'll go to the New Testament today and finish out this meeting today in this um, book of Third John, just before the book of Jude. Jude is just before the book of Revelation. So if you have a hard time finding that, go to the end of the Bible. Revelation, last book of the Bible, the 66th book. Go back through the 65th, go to the 64th book of the Bible, which is the book of Third John, which has one chapter that is made up of 14 verses. Third John, we're going to read the first four verses together. And I want you to be uh, attentive today. I'm going to give you some things and leave you with some things <clears throat> that you will learn today. And then not only will you learn these today, but for the rest of your life, you will be encouraged to live out what you learn. What, what good is it to learn something and not live it out? What good is it to hear something <clears throat> and not take it and apply it personally to my life, even as a young lady or young man or, or a senior or junior or sophomore, whatever grade you're in, or as myself? Uh, we learn and hear things, and so what I'm going to give you today is truth from the book you hold in your hand, which is the Word of God. And so you've got your place in Third John, say amen. Amen. All right, let's read together verse 1 down to verse 4. The Bible says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things, notice that, all things above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I, great, for I, great, for I rejoice greatly <clears throat> when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. Notice that. He mentions the love of the truth in verse 1. He mentions the truth that's in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. There's that word truth again. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in, what's that word? Truth. Truth is the emphasis today. There's a lot of fake news, uh, false narratives, not just outside the church house, but sometimes it's sad that it leaks in and creeps into the church house, into, into Christian schools and Christian colleges and things of that nature. It may not be personally taught from the podium, 
in a professor's classroom or a teacher's classroom, for there may be some that will bring it in. And we have to be aware of those things. But here we find one by the name of Gaius here in verse 1. And uh, they are excited. They are very grateful because truth has set them free. Truth has sanctified them. Truth has established their footing. And um, truth has been uh, no doubt built upon in their lives. And they come to the verse 4 and says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, look at that word walk. It doesn't necessarily mean what I'm doing now. What am I doing? I'm walking. I'm walking and talking. So I'm walking. I'm moving my legs. Well, some people can't walk. I had a niece who's, who's in heaven now. She had cerebral palsy. She never one moment was able to take one step, a half a step, any kind of step. She was crippled from birth. She lived her life in a wheelchair. She was bedridden. She couldn't get up and run and play, jump like you and I can. So she couldn't walk. So would this verse say, well, you know. No, the word walk has the indication of life or live. That my children live in the truth. Their life is about truth. And that's what you've got to come to the realization today is you as a young lady, you as a young man have got to be people of truth. And so that was the exciting part of this parent here, <clears throat> that the children walk in truth. Now, we know the truth has power to save. Truth has power to sanctify us and to satisfy us. Truth has power to secure us. And, you know, truth has power to help us to succeed. I don't think not one of you in here today want to grow up, look at me, guys, and be a failure. I don't want to be a failure. I don't want to fail at things. I want to succeed. Whatever it is, I want to succeed. And so I want to give you today five non-negotiable truths that we must bury in our heart. We're not going to waver. We're not going to negotiate on them. We're not going to sit down and try to, you know, see if yours is better than mine. It's sad that we're living in a designer truth society where people have designed their own truth. But listen, the Bible is not filled with designer truth. The Bible is filled with discovered truth. God would have us to discover what truth is in the word of God. But don't be caught up in this, this uh, world of designer truth where, well, it's truth to you. It may, it may be truth for you, but it's not truth for me. It may be my mom and daddy's religion. It may be my mom and daddy's truth, but it's not my truth. I don't believe that way. It doesn't matter what you believe. You say, well, I don't believe there's a hell. That doesn't make it go away. I don't believe there's a God. That doesn't make him go away. You know, I don't believe in gravity. I'm going to jump off this mountain. Well, go ahead, bust your head on the rock. It's going to happen, friend. Truth is truth. And we find there's five negotiable truths. We find here, Gaius says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk or live in truth. Yet in many hearts and in many homes, truth is nowhere to be found. So in order for have these truths buried in our hearts, there must be a, number one, a commitment, and then there must come a consummation, and then a conception of these truths. And so we find that in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 14 and 15, one of those verses there, he says that truth has fallen in the streets. Truth has fallen in the street. Nobody's carrying the truth any longer. Nobody's carrying the banner of truth anymore. 
Everybody's looking for their own way. And so we find here that there must be truth that is buried in our heart. Let me give you number one that you need to settle today in your heart. The first truth that we meet must bury in our hearts today, this non-negotiable truth, is the truth about the Scripture. You need to settle in your heart today that this is, thus saith the Lord. This is the word of the living God. Hold your place and go back with me just for a moment to Psalm 78. In Psalm 78, we find a few verses here that we want to uh, emphasize this truth here and uh, drill this down in our hearts. Uh, here in Psalm 78, and we find there in verses 3, 4, and 5, he says, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praise of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he had done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Verse 4, the word showing means to recount the past to bring it back up, to show them, their children, their grandchildren, all the great things that God has done. And here that's the responsibility of the parent. I thought just the other day, I thought, you know, we grumble and gripe about, well, they've taken prayer and Bible out of school and yada yada, and, and that's sad that it's happened. But the sadder part is they parents have taken it out of their homes. We want to point fingers at the government and say, you're the reason for all the problems. When's the last time I looked in the mirror and said, I'm the problem? Where's the Bible in my home? Where's prayer in my home? Where's God in my heart? And so we find it comes to this. Look in Psalm 12. Go back to Psalm 12 in two verses. Listen, we find that the, we must see the truth of the Scripture, that it is the Word of God. We find that we must teach this young generation of the purity of the Bible. He said in Psalm 12, 6, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. We see God's words are pure. God's words are purified. God's words are perfected. He said seven times. The number seven means perfection. He said there in verse 7, God's words are preserved. And so we see the purity of the Bible. We see the preservation of the Bible. Listen, young people, this is not a book for you just to throw under your desk and say, well, I got to memorize a verse this week. We got a quiz coming up. Listen, when I taught my Bible class back at school, I would never let the student put their book Bible on the floor. And I taught them that dirt goes on the floor and this is not a dirty book. Amen. Amen. It's a pure book. Amen. And then I taught them and I teach our church this, never stack anything on top of your Bible. Because listen, you're telling, you're telling me and you're telling everybody else that this book here means more than this book. Always put your Bible on top. You've got to discipline yourself that way. You've got to condition yourself to think that way. Because this book is priority. This book is preeminent. This book is pure. This book is preserved. God has preserved it for the English-speaking people in the version of the King James Bible. This is God's eternal word. Not matter of fact, not just for the English-speaking people, but for all people. 
This is God's infallible, inerrant, God-breathed, God-given, God-preserved word. And you need to settle that in your heart. This, this is non-negotiable. And then the word of God is profitable. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said that the word of God, he said, And from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. He said, for the word of God, for all scriptures given by inspiration of God, and is profitable. Profitable. You build your life on this book, friend, and your way shall prosper. Psalm 1 talks about that. As a tree planted by the rivers of water, he shall bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. Build your life on the Bible. And none other foundation. Listen, we see the power of the Bible. This book is a powerful book. The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible says it pierces. The Bible says it divides asunder. The Bible says, listen, it is the word of God that can save a drunkard and sober him up. It's the word of God can save a harlot and clean her up. It's the word of God can take somebody out of the mire and put them in the choir. It is the power of the word of God. You just said on your heart today that this is the book that God has given us. This is God's word. Look at me, please. I remember when I got saved 41 years ago. Man, I was a brand new Christian. My brother gave me a brand new Bible. Never had a Bible. Maybe just a little Gideon New Testament. Somebody gave me at church one time. My brother gave me a brand new Bible. Old and New Testament even had maps in it. Woo. Had a concordance in the back. Man, I thought I was something. Had my name put on front of it. If I brought that Bible today, you'd see a little, it was burg it's burgundy in color. You'd see a little stain, dark stain right here where I kissed my Bible so much I kissed the burgundy off of it. I'd sleep with my Bible. I'd go to bed reading it. I'd get ready to go to sleep and I said, love you, Lord. Thank you for your word. I'd lay it beside me and I'd wake up the next morning. Good morning. Lord. I was 17 years old. Just a few old, maybe a year or two older than you guys. But God buried something in my heart 41 years ago that this is the word of God that saved me, spared me in eternity in hell. And you need to settle that today. That this is the book. This is the Bible. This is God's word. And we better hide it. We better heed it. We better read it and listen to it. And we need to settle that truth. It's non-negotiable. Then let me give you a second thing. The second truth that's non-negotiable is the truth of salvation. Salvation is non-negotiable. We hear in our world today, there's a, there was a popular talk show host that said there, there's many diverse ways to God. I want you to know there's only one way to God, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm going to work my own thing out with God. Well, you go on ahead, Waylon and Willie try to do that, and I don't think it's worked out too good for them. But there's the truth of salvation. Listen, you need to be taught the truth that we're all sinners. You realize, listen, you're a sinner by birth. You were born a sinner. You're a sinner by nature. You have the sin nature in you. You have the seed of sin in you. You realize that you and I are sinners by choice. We choose to sin. Nobody makes me sin. 
Nobody makes me lie. Nobody makes me steal. Nobody makes me talk dirty. Nobody makes me think dirty. Nobody makes me act rebellious. That seed is in me. Look at me, please. We do all that we can to try to protect our young people. I knew. I know me and my wife, listen, our, our daughter Charity, our son Titus, we did all that we could to guard them and protect them. And we did a great job to the glory of God. Listen, when we handed them over at, at the marriage altar to their spouse, we handed over a pure, chaste virgin, man and girl. Were we perfect? No. But get this. Now listen to me. Even though we protected them so much as we tried to, we put them through Christian school. They went to Christian college, Crown College in Pensacola, Christian college. Within that protected dome, they still had the sin nature within them. That helps some of your parents out. Wondering what went wrong with my buddy, my boy, my girl. I did all I could to raise them right, but they still got out. They still went wrong. It's because no matter the protected dawn you put around them, there's still that sin nature, that seed of sin with inside the dome in their heart. You need to know that this thing called salvation is non-negotiable. Listen, we must teach you the truth. That we, listen, we've all fallen short of God's glory. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You need to understand that sin has a price tag. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Sin has a price tag. Yes, there's pleasure in sin. But Moses said there in Hebrews 11, he says, it's for a season. You realize, fellas, you'll always reap more than what you sow. You'll always reap, reap later than when you've sown it. But you're going to reap what you sow. And we must teach you the truth. There, there he is. Listen, we must teach you the truth of the sacrifice that was given. But God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's non-negotiable, right? We must teach them the truth about the Savior. For there's none other name in the heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Listen, the, the truth of salvation is non-negotiable. There are not many roads to heaven. There are not many doors to glory. There's only one way. And Jesus declared in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. What about that verse do we not understand? He says no man. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we have these truths here that God gives us here that are non-negotiable. Number one, the truth of the scripture. Number two, the truth of salvation. And number three, and don't let this get you sidetracked, the truth of sexes. You need to settle that in your heart. There's only male and female, Amen. period. Amen. When we hear this word for some reason, listen, I understand the immaturity of, of our, our, our ages and things like that. But listen, this is a serious matter, especially in this day, especially in this nation. Where perversion, immorality is flooding the streets and the campuses of colleges and the campuses of public schools, and the campuses, sad to say, even in Christian realms. 
You need to set on your heart that God had made both male and female, created he them. And settle that said, that's it. There's not a hundred and some genders, as, as the scientists would say. There's only two, male and female. You need to settle that. You need to settle that. Right here and right now. That's non-negotiable. God makes no mistake. God makes no junk. Listen, God knows, knew what he was doing. Let's let the Bible speak for itself. Go back to Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Look in the days of creation. And, and chapter 1, verse 26, you may have heard this over and over again, but you need to hear it again today. Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God created he, him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. That's God's original design. And God has not varied from that design. God has not changed. God has not changed one iota. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. Listen, we find here that there is an open rebellion against the creation of God. He said in chapter 2 of Genesis, you're already there. Look at verse 21. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto, unto man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they both were naked and man and his wife and we're not ashamed. This is God's original design. The word Genesis means beginning. And when God, what God begins, if, if he has not changed it from his original intent throughout the rest of the Bible, then it's the same as it was when he first began, created it. And so we find you need to settle that. There's this non-negotiable. Go back to Deuteronomy. That's the fifth book of the Bible. Just keep going. Leviticus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. You'll come into Deuteronomy. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 33. And here's where we are today. Deuteronomy, excuse me, Deuteronomy 22. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 22. Here's where we are today in verses 5. Now, I guarantee you, some of you young people, you probably know more about this than I do. That's, that's the thing about it. I don't know what you watch, listen to. I don't know who you chit-chat with online. I don't, know, I don't know how your heart's bent. I don't know how your, your mind's leaning toward these things. You may know about all this stuff more than I do, and that, that's all right. I, but look at De Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. He said, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth to a man, neither shall a man put on the woman's garments, for all that do are so, do, so are what? Abomination unto the Lord. That word abomination means disgusting. Despise of the Lord. Now notice what he said. You know what this is, Deuteronomy 22, 5? It's not a matter about modesty and identity, although I believe that's invaluable. I believe that should be practiced, not just for the ladies, but for the men as well. Modesty and identity. <clears throat> but I believe this is referring to transgenderism. Yeah. 
in our modern day. Isn't that amazing how modern the Bible is, how update the Bible is? God says it's an abomination for, for a man to put on a woman's garments. And God says it's an abomination for a, a woman to put on a man's garments. That is transgenderism. Where, where a man who's a born a biological male wants to, by his dress, become a female. You can dress up any way you want to. You're still going to be a man. Lady, you dress up any way you want to. You still be a girl, woman. You still be what God designed you to be. But they said, I don't want to be this. I want to be my own thing. Do my own thing. I don't want to do this. And so it's a rebellion against God's creation. It's an open rebellion. It's sad to say that so many entities, so many governments are putting their stamp of approval on what God disapproves of. And we're heading for a great day of judgment. You mark her down. You need to settle this in your heart. Fellas, look at me, boys. You ought to thank God every day that God made you be a man. You know the material God uses to make a man is a boy. Little girls, listen to me, ladies. You ought to get up every day and say, thank God I'm a a lady. Thank God he made me to be a girl. You know what material God uses to make ladies? Little girls. Little girls. Listen, I I tell my wife, I said, every opportunity we get, listen, when we see young people, we ought to reinforce that. And just just like a casual comment or a casual comment, say, boy, I'm sure I'm glad you're a girl. We tell our granddarlings that all the time. Boy, we sure are glad God made you to be a girl. We're we're trying to bury that truth in their heart. Because these are non-negotiable. Listen, you need to understand that. So here God says this is, this is what's happening in 2023 in our, in our day. That, that Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5 is, is taking place. They're modifying and trying to mutilate oneself against God's original design. And you need to understand all this here. Listen, don't wait. We, we can't wait on the world to teach you these things. We've got, listen, we've got to teach you young boys to be men before the world teaches you how to be a girl. Amen. We've got to teach you young girls how to be ladies before the world tries to teach you how to be a young man. Amen. We've got to bear this truth in your heart. God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Not look at me, please. God not only made you, but God fashioned you. There's a difference there. I believe it's in Psalm 119. David said, God has made me and fashioned me. You like cake? We all like cake for the most part. Now, just just suppose I I baked a cake. I'm a good cook. I I bake cakes. I bake cookies. Listen, I bake bread. I I cook food. I I cook breakfast, lunch, supper. I, I I believe I'm a good cook. If I made a cake and brought it in here, and I had nothing but just cake, and I, maybe, some, maybe some icing on it, I, I, listen to me, I'd say, I made this. You'll say, wow, you made a cake. I said, yes. But then I took that little squirt thing. Maybe I had white icing on it, and I had squirt thing had red icing in it. And I put on there, happy birthday. What's your name? Alexis. Alexis. I put happy birthday Alexis on there. You know what I just done with that cake? I have fashioned that cake. 
You know what that cake is now designed to do? It's designed to wish her a happy birthday. It's designed to tell her that she's special, that she has a birthday, and we recognize that, and we thank God for that. God said, now look at me, please. Don't miss it. God said, I've made you. And not only have I made you, we're not like a bunch of robots we're made of, God. But God says, now I've fashioned you. Look at me, please. God has put some things in you that maybe nobody else has. You have certain talents. You have certain skills. You have certain abilities. You have certain taste. You like things that other people don't like. You have, you have a, a favorite color that maybe somebody else don't, has a different color. But God says, I fastened you. And I put in you what's going to take you through the rest of your life. Because not only have I made you, but now I fashioned you. You understand that? And we need to settle in our heart today. This non-negotiable truth, number one, about what? The scripture. Look at me, please. Number two, about salvation. Number three, about the sexes. Number four, write it down. Number four, <clears throat> about the sanctity of life. The sanctity of life. Jeremiah 1.5, he says, before I, before I formed you in the, your mother's womb, he said, I knew thee. Look at me, girls and guys. God has known you in eternity past. God made you in your mother's womb. He shaped you. He made you who you are. Psalm 139, he said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, in the eyes of God. God is the source and sustainer of all life. And listen, God breathes into man the breath of life and holds man's breath with his omnipotent hand. Life is precious and should be guarded above all. You need to settle in your heart today in the sanctity of life. All unborn children are special. Not one of them should be murdered in the mother's womb. You need to settle that. You say, well, Pastor Cruz, this is awful heavy for my little mind. I understand some of it can be. That's why I'm not going into too much detail. But I'm just saying, listen, all life is precious. Amen. And you need to do all you can to guard it. Then lastly, the fifth one right quick, the truth that we all will stand accountable to God. Every one of us will give an account to God one day. Romans 14, look at it, please. Go to Romans 14 right quick. Let's read it together. <clears throat> Romans 14. We all will give an account one day to the Lord. Romans 14. He says there in verse 12, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. We should live each day in the light of the judgment seat of Christ. Let's not just live for this time, but let's live for eternity as we mentioned yesterday. And every one of us are going to give an account. Look at me, please, on, on how we treated this book here. We're going to give an account how we treated the doctrines of this Bible. The word doctrine means teachings, what this book taught. We're all going to give an account how we've treated and honored our parents. God plainly says, Old and New Testament, honor thy father and thy mother. Give respect. We're going to give an account of that. We're going to give an account how we uh, uh, treated the authorities that God put in our life. We're going to give an account of the life that we lived, the time that we've been given. 
What are you doing with your time, fellas? Ladies, what are you doing with your time? Are you investing it wisely? Are you wishing your life away? Are you wishing your life away? You just set on your heart that we're going to give an account to God one day with every word. Look at me, please. Every word that I spoke. Look at me. Listen. Every word that I thought and I didn't speak. We're going to give an account of that to the Lord. We're going to stand accountable for God of every deed that we've done, good or bad, in our bodies. There is a, such a thing as personal accountability to God. And you need to bear that truth in your heart. These are non-negotiable. We will stand before God. He says it right there. We shall all stand. That word shall, it has the rendering of a promise. And the one that promised it is the one that spoke it. It's up to him to keep that promise, not up to us. He says, so we shall all give an account. God's going to see to it that you, 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 you are going to stand before him individually. Are you ready for that, guys? Are you ready to stand before God right now today? Are you ready to stand before God right now, right now today? Are you ready to stand before God right now today? And give account, give a reckoning of what you've done with God's word, what you've done with church, what you've done with your parents, what you've done with your teachers, your attitude, your spirit, your actions. Every one of us is going to give an account. We need to settle that in our heart. These truths here must be buried in our hearts, buried in our minds. And we find that Gaius said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Let me just twist that just for a moment without doing damage to the scripture. Instead of the word Gaius or the name Gaius, let me put God. God would say, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Be a man of truth. Be a, be a lady of truth. Let's bow for prayer, shall we? <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we love thee, Lord. Where would our life be without truth? Lord, we'd be somewhere in a ditch somewhere, somewhere on a back alley, living out of garbage cans, sleeping in cardboard boxes. Our life could literally be lost without God in hell right now, in hell this very hour, in the tormented flame, in outer darkness, had it not been for truth. It is truth that makes us free. And the one that is truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's a way to go, a truth to know, and a life to live. Lord, today I pray, God, in this closing moments of this school revival, the spiritual emphasis week, I pray, Spirit of living God, fall fresh upon our hearts. Bury these truths deep down. Because all of us are going to be tested. All of us are going to be tested on these things. All of us.
No matter what age group we're in, no matter what occupation we're in, the setting, all of us are going to be tested concerning these truths at one point or the other in our life. And Lord, may we be able to give an answer to every man that ask of the hope which lies within us. And Lord, today I pray, should there be one or two or many that, Lord, has not the matter of salvation settled in their heart. Oh God, may they come today with an open heart and say, bear that truth of salvation in me. Save me today. I pray, dear God, for that young man, that young lady, possibly in the upper grades, that are struggling with the fact that this is the word of God. Lord, I pray you'd settle that in their heart. As you did mine as a 17-year-old young man, this is God's word. And I've never varied from it. I don't plan to, Lord. I pray you'd help me. I pray, God, you'd help us all to settle the fact of the sanctity of life. Lord, even, even the two sexes, God, that you've created, Lord. God, you said marriage is honorable, the bed and the foul, whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. God, settle this thing about standing accountable before God. And Lord, if I had today, if Jesus came today and said, give me a reckoning, give me an account of what you've done with the time I've given you, the talents that I've given you, the treasures that I've given you, what have you done with it? And Lord, maybe we'll have, we'll have to come clean, Lord. We'll have to confess because there is no hiding it from the all-seeing eye of God. Lord, today I pray the Holy Spirit of God to make it plain, make it understandable. I pray, God, you'd work in a mighty way in this invitation time. Not our will, but thine be done. And our God will thank thee for it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. But, of course, you come, if you will. Just finish this out.